chapter two of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. natalie page by catherine haviland taylor chapter two goodbyes the next few weeks were so crowded that the events which came in them have a kaleidoscopic flavour every one called on me and every one gave me advice the calls the advice the shrill of the locusts the way the sunlight looked in the garden and the braid which mrs bradley insisted must be put on my new dresses all tangled i can't think of one thing without having something else that came in that time creep in i suppose it was because i was so hurried that nothing was sorted it all simply sunk in my mind together as i rushed and of course there was no calm between in which one's consciousness builds fences or tethers a thought in its proper pasture my going away acted like a big egg-beater on everything that happened then everything was too well mixed and flavoured with tears mrs bradley wept over everything including my favourite things to eat which she cooked for every meal corn fritters she'd say and then begin to catch her breath won't be so long now that i can make em for you thought you'd relish em and then she'd go out in the woodshed pretending that she needed a little kindling to hurry the fire but i knew she didn't and it made me feel awfully i think i was never quite so unhappy as then when every one was so kind to me but i didn't cry because that isn't the way i show unhappiness hurts make a hard heavy load which roosts on my heart and does something to my lungs they want to take long breaths but feel squeezed sometimes i think this sort of misery is really more uncomfortable than tears but at least no one can see whether your heart has a red nose and of course outside tears leave traces there are advantages willie jephson seemed to understand how i felt more than any one else which was surprising he sat with me a good deal in the garden while i sewed on braid i was not interested in the braid nor sewing it on but mrs bradley made me put yards on everything she said you gotta look swell in new york take this here and put three rows above the hem and for the first time in my life i sewed we put narrow ribbon velvet on my thin things and lace wherever it could be attached when i had to rip it off i did almost cry and not because of the work but because dear bradley thought it was so fine i can't quite explain and i haven't time here but when people whom you love think things are beautiful you don't like to destroy them what you doing that for willie asked one afternoon we were sitting in the arbour i told him mrs bradley thought you had to be trimmed a lot in new york well it is he said looking at my skirt a little doubtfully and it doesn't look like you that annoyed me because i'd pricked my fingers a lot it's got to i said i'm going to wear it you'll have it ripped off in two days he replied i know you 
you'll shin up something or slide down something and that stuff'll trail behind you for blocks what'll i slide down in new york i asked resentfully oh he answered there are fire escapes i sniffed at that i never dreamed i ever would but of course that time i didn't know what was coming after that we were quiet i sewed hard and willie looked at me i felt him as you do and wondered whether i was losing my petticoat of anything when he spoke he did something noble which i shall never forget look here nat he said after a cough i can't i answered i have nine more yards of this stuff to lamb on it goes around the sleeves too well he said and his voice was very gruff it's this way if you get too darned homesick you can always come back and marry me i appreciated that i really did although it was not my idea of a romantic proposal my reading taste most closely embraces alger but i've read a few love stories and willie didn't act at all like the man in the rosary but evelyn says that men never do act like books she has had several proposals she says they look sort of scared and as if they wished they hadn't begun it and usually stutter a little beside gulping but as i said before criticizing willie's technique i was grateful for i thought if nothing else turned up i could marry willie before i became an old maid no woman really wants to be one she only says so after she is don't you tell any of the fellows said willie after a few moments i said i wouldn't then i thanked him and said i might call his bluff when i was about twenty-two or so that memory is closely wrapped in braid and a blue and pink plaid dress aunt penelope gave that one to the janitor's daughter willie's offer was a help for uncle frank had told me that i must try to stay in new york with aunt penelope for the three years anyway he explained about the locusts and how they went through stages and he thought it would take about three years for my country shell to slip off and be replaced by the new one which new york would grow underneath it seemed aunt penelope has a country place but uncle was afraid it was not very wild it is at southampton and she wants me to go there with her when i heard that i wasn't to come home at all i almost expired but anyone needs a vacation i said sort of shakily if i can't climb trees or go barefoot at least once a summer i shall die but uncle frank had forgotten me and got up to hunt a picture of a variety of the praying mantis which he found climbing a tree it did not cheer me i said i wish i was one and he said rare specimen rare specimen ho hum and again went to poring over his books those weeks passed and then i found that i cared a lot about many people whom i had almost avoided before i knew i was to go away even old mr diggs who growls and used to complain of me so often i occasionally broke a window in his house it stands near the diamond which is nearest school stopped me and gave me a mouth organ he had had when he was a boy i appreciated it for i knew it meant lots to him if it wasn't exactly useful to me when i showed it to mrs bradley she said swell thing to play on in new york and really laughed but afterwards she went to the woodshed 
to get kindling and i knew she was thinking of the new york part of her joke aunt hetty james knitted me a bridge jacket and she used to come regularly to talk with uncle about my ways and five other women whom i hadn't thought liked me much made me bridge jackets too but they were all different colours i mean the jackets not the women i had seventeen pin cushions given me and nine boudoir caps jim hooker who is the town disgrace but with whom i often fished meeting him a little way out on the chanceford pike he can cast better than any one i ever saw gave me a collection of flies that were wonderful and willie jepson gave me a box of lavender correspondence cards which i thought beautiful before i had become acclimatized to new york they had pink edges and gold ends on them to be brief every one was kind to me and it made my throat feel stuffy it was honestly a relief to go for i knew it had to come and the feeling of its coming was like that pressure that going to the dentist to-morrow lays on your spirit and at last the day did come and i went the morning of that day i went out in the garden and looked at it carefully i thought that perhaps i could pack the way it looked in my heart as i had uncle frank's face and bradley dear's fat figure just dimly indented at the waistline with her starchy blue-checked apron and so i walked around a little while august had made it sag but it was lovely grass was sprouting between the red bricks of the walk the picket fence was leaning and being grayed from sun and the rain made a lovely background for the late flowers and the dusty foliage across the fence was the spot where willie jepson taught me to pitch and on the small platform outside the back door was the hook where they used to tie me when i was a tiny girl and ran away so much everything was familiar and because of that very dear and because i knew it and had lived in that house loved and been loved by the people of that house it was home willie jepson got up early that morning he came out in the back yard carrying a cruller in one hand and four plums in the other heavy rain last night he said breakfast isn't ready yet thought i'd take a bite to carry me on till liza gets up got packed i said i had send me a line sometimes he said between bites and what i said about marrying me goes i'll let you if you can't stand it in new york although a woman hampers a man i didn't think that was a happy manner of putting it and said so oh shucks he replied don't expect slush from me i'm not anxious to get married i say so frankly a woman hurts a man's career but considering your drop curves and cents i'm willing to help you out if you need really need helping then he went on eating his plums i like you he continued after several chews it isn't as if i didn't and he didn't look at me so i knew he wasn't as averse to marrying me as he seemed i've known willie for a long time and so i understood quite a lot he didn't say i don't think i shall trouble you i said although i'm grateful and it is nice to think that there is somewhere where you can go if your family won't receive you before your education is finished willie nodded and went on chewing and then bradley dear called and i knew that breakfast was ready good-bye willie i said coming down to the station he said and very gruffly 
i said all right and went toward the house when i reached the porch i looked back and i knew that willie felt badly for willie wasn't chewing End of chapter two